I want to welcome all of our campuses, Lake Point and Real Life. It's so good to see you today. We have a lot to celebrate as a church. Already this summer, just a few weeks in, when you take all of our summer programming like Trek and uh, VBS and our journey camp that Pastor Steve and I just uh, had to experience together this week, uh, you take all of that together. You guys ready for this? 89 kids and teenagers pray to receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior in the first three weeks of summer. So incredible. Uh, not only that, but I, I look back at uh, VBS and just, just let this sink in. Over 400 children indicated they were ready to talk to their mom and dad about praying to receive Christ. Just let this sink in. Yeah, just give the, the oh, that's amazing. It's incredible. 400 kids. And just this weekend, we're in the middle of the summer, we're going to baptize 16 people just this weekend. I love being a part of a church where forgiveness is being experienced by so many people. And, and forgiveness is what we're gonna talk about today. Uh, we're gonna talk about in this series we continue today called Radical, uh, the forgiveness that Jesus challenged us because we're gonna realize forgiveness is not just something we need to receive. Forgiveness is something we need to give. So turn your Bibles to the book of Matthew. If you don't have a Bible, I would encourage you to take out your worship guide, whatever campus you're on today, and there's a place to, to follow along. But I wanna show you uh, a, a scripture, a hard saying, that, that at first seems very difficult, it seems hard, but we're gonna see it's actually very, very helpful. It's found in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. I would encourage you sometime this week to read Matthew chapter five, verse one, all the way through the end of chapter seven. That's the entire sermon that Jesus gave. But in the middle of that message he gave to those people that day and gives to us today, we find this hard saying in Matthew chapter six, beginning in verse 14. Jesus says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now I want you to hold your place there because before we see what Jesus is saying and how to unpack this difficult teaching today, I wanna back up from the microscope and let's just make sure we understand what he's not saying. What Jesus is not saying is your salvation depends on you forgiving anyone. Uh, we see this all the way through the scriptures, but I'll give you a passage on the screen here. Ephesians chapter two, verse eight and nine is just an example. All the way through the scriptures, we understand it's by grace you've been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, including forgiving people, not by works so that no one can boast. So God's forgiveness is unconditional, it's undeserved. There's no way you can earn it. Uh, there's no, nothing you can do to deserve it. You're not gonna get to heaven one day and run into somebody and say, well, hey, how'd you get to heaven? Well, I forgave everybody in my life. That's how I got here. No one's gonna get to heaven by who they forgive. They're gonna get to heaven by who's forgiven them, Jesus Christ. And so and now that we understand that, you say, okay, then what is Jesus saying? Well, it's much like our uh, teaching on money, where we talked about Jesus said you can't have two masters, that your generosity is actually a fruit of your repentance. It's a, it's a, it's a display of what you have experienced with Christ and, and how generous you are with your stuff. Speaking of generosity, are you guys ready for this? It was awesome for Pastor Steve and I to watch this live this week in Colorado. But ninth through 12th graders converged onto Winter Park, Colorado, 970 teenagers. It was definitely an exciting time. And they were challenged to give. Now, understand, their parents aren't there to borrow the money from. They have some souvenir money and some Starbucks coffee money. And they're told about sex trafficking and the people caught in slavery around the world. And they're told that there's 27 million people around the globe that are in slavery right now. 
and they were challenged to give, and it's wonderful to watch this, but just in one week, ninth through 12th graders, are you ready for this, gave over $15,000. Amazing, yeah. There's hope for America, okay? Uh, in, in our VBS, just all the boys and girls were challenged to help us with the people in Ghana that don't have clean water. And are you ready for this? Those kids in one week blew the teenagers away. They gave over $35,000 in one week. Unbelievable. And by the way, that's five new wells for five new communities. Un un unbelievable. Generosity. But listen, you, you can be generous and you can give. But that doesn't make you saved. Are you tracking with me? If you're saved, then you're going to be generous and you're going to give. In the same way, Jesus teaches us that if you, uh, you can't get to heaven by being forgiving, by being a forgiving person. But if you are a Christian, if you are following Christ, you're going to forgive. Let's go back to money one more time. If you don't give and you say you're a Christian, you say, I follow Christ, but you're not generous, you can have a relationship through salvation by grace, but your fellowship with the Father is not what it could be, and it's not what it should be because your heart's not right and your money's reflecting that. In the same way, if you say, I follow Christ and I'm a Christian, but you don't forgive, if you say, I'm all in for Jesus, but you don't let go of your bitterness, then you can still have a relationship with the Father because of grace, but your fellowship with him is not what it could be. It's not what it should be. Because your heart's not right, because the forgiveness that you're not offering is a reflection of your own heart. Now, that's a very hard way to start the service. I really want that to sink in today. So while you're thinking about that, let me tell you what happened to me a few weeks ago. My wife's parents uh, just celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary, 50 years, yes. Definitely deserves a round of applause, and I applaud all those in our church who give us a great example of strong marriages. So they said, well, what do you want for your 50th anniversary? They said, we want everybody in our family, the kids and grandkids, to all come to a cabin in Missouri for one week, and we'll pay for it. We're like, we're there, all right? So we go to Missouri near Branson, and, and my father-in-law is an avid fisherman, and he's learned how to fly fish. He's really good at it. And he thought it'd be fun for us to go to the river one day and, and teach us all how to fly fish. I was horrible. I didn't catch anything all day. I caught some trees, things like that. But it was really a beautiful environment, so we had a blast. After we were coming off the river from a full day of fishing, as my father-in-law showed us all, all how to do it and caught all the fish, uh, we were getting our gear together, and a guy from across the parking lot, true story, starts yelling at us. And he says, hey, wash off all your equipment, wash off all your gear, you know, wash your waders. And he's just yelling at us, you got to wash all that stuff before you put it away. And I'm thinking in my mind, look, man, my mom can tell me to clean something up, but I don't know who you are, okay? And he's yelling, you got to wash all the stuff. And, and then he points to this sign. Now, just to make sure you, I knew you wouldn't believe me. I took a picture of this sign because I'd never heard of this. But this is the sign, and it says, Didymo warning, and help stop Didymo, okay? I didn't know what that was. But basically, there's a Didymo in Arkansas, and they don't want any of it to get into Missouri, all right? And the way they do that is they have to wash their gear off because Didymo is everywhere uh, in another state. They don't want to get it across the border. I'm like, well, how bad could it be? Do I really need to wash this stuff? Then I looked up what Didymo looks like, and here it is. Yeah, fishermen don't like the term Didymo. They actually use the term rock snot. And basically what Didymo does is it gets all over the rocks and the fishermen can't stand on it because it's slippery, but worse than that, it actually kills the things that fish eat and eventually Didymo will actually kill everything in an entire water source. 
All of a sudden, when I saw that picture, I was like, man, we gotta wash off our stuff. We gotta get rid of this. We gotta, this is good. We gotta do something uh, because we don't want any of that. In the same way, I want you to see today when Jesus makes this hard saying about forgiveness, it's like Jesus yelling at us as his followers and saying, get rid of unforgiveness. Wash it away from your heart. Get rid of it because what does it do? It causes all kinds of things. It's an invasive species like Didymo. It causes anger and bitterness and resentment and it takes you away from the life that Christ wants you to have. He's saying get rid of the unforgiveness. It's like a poison in your heart. And if you are struggling with forgiving today, do I need to show you another picture of Didymo? Let's look at it one more time. Here's what unforgiveness looks like in your heart. Get rid of it. Unforgiveness is like a poison. It kills the things that Christ wants to give you, and it robs you of the blessing of walking closely with the Father. And if you're not there yet, you say, I just don't know if I want to forgive. Did you know that unforgiveness is now a disease in medical journals? That doctors are actually told to ask you, not just about blood pressure and your temperature, they're supposed to ask you, have you forgiven everyone in your life? But let me show you this from... Um, this doctor, he's actually the chief surgeon at Cancer Treatment Centers of America, Dr. Stephen Standiford. He says this, I quote, refusing to forgive makes people sick and keeps them that way, end quote. Could it be that Jesus is making this hard saying and making this statement because he wants to bless you? Could it be that forgiveness is not about just letting that person go, it's about setting your own heart free? Could it be that Jesus is making this hard saying to bless you not just for eternity, but to bless you right now? We have to choose forgiveness. Uh, listen to this, according to Johns Hopkins Medical website, I'll show you this one. This is crazy, choose forgiveness. It says, I quote, studies have found that the act of forgiveness can reap huge rewards for your health. How many rewards? L listen to this, lowering the risk of heart attack. Improving cholesterol levels in sleep, reducing pain, blood pressure, and levels of anxiety, depression, and stress, end quote. Wow. Who's ready to sign up for forgiveness now? Come on. That's amazing. That's a great workout plan. Hey, what are you doing? I'm doing CrossFit. What are you doing? I'm forgiving people. I don't have time to work out, but man, I got lower blood pressure and less anxiety. I'm sleeping better. That's my workout strategy. Forgiveness. Could it be that Jesus makes this hard saying because he's saying, listen, there's a connection between you forgiving others and not just your spiritual health, but your physical well-being. So let me give you the big idea today. If you're gonna take some notes, you can do that in the worship guide or not. But here's the big idea. Jesus is saying when something happens to you, you can do one of two things. When someone hurts you, you can either react with feelings or you can choose forgiveness. And with this hard saying, he's saying it in an extreme way to say choose forgiveness. But you can react with feelings. And here's the bottom line, somebody's going to hurt you. You notice I didn't say if someone hurts you, I says when they do. We live in a fallen world and people hurt us. They wound us. Somebody's gonna say something. Somebody's gonna do something. Somebody's gonna post something. Somebody's going to hurt you. And when they do, you have a choice. You can react with feelings or you can choose forgiveness. And notice I said you can react with feelings because you're never going to, to feel like forgiving someone. You're never gonna feel like, oh, you know what, I'm just gonna just to, to love them today. You're never gonna wake up and say, you know what, it's a new day. I just think I'll for, I feel like forgiving someone today. You're never gonna do that. How do you feel? I feel like slashing their tires. 
I feel like burning their house down right now. I feel like posting some very embarrassing things about them right now. That's how I feel. But, but we want to realize that forgiveness is a choice. You say, well, what does it look like? How does forgiveness work? Well, forgiveness is hard. It's really hard to do. And, and what I would like to do is give you three words that help you get some traction to forgiveness, applying forgiveness. What does it look like? Three words and three questions because we have to wrestle with this hard saying. So here's the first word. If someone's hurt you, the first thing you want to do is pray. You want to actually pray for them. Pray for the people who hurt you. I can already feel the pushback right now. I'm not going to pray for them. You don't know what they did. You don't know what they said. I'm not going to pray for the people that hurt me. Are you kidding me? Some of you right now are pushing back and saying, oh, I'll pray for them, all right. Lord, strike them with lightning. How about that prayer? I'll pray for them, all right. I love how real the Bible is because the people in the Bible struggle with it just like we do. Even King David, he, he wrestled with it. People hurt him, and he had prayers like this. Here's Psalm 3, verse 7. When someone hurt him, I love this. I love how real the Bible is. Arise, O Lord, rescue me, my God. Slap all my enemies in the face. Shatter the teeth of the wicked. Some of you are like, well, that's a great verse, man. I'll write that down. i start praying that. I didn't even know that was in there. So glad I came to church today. No, that's not our model, okay? That, that shows you how real it gets. And the people the scriptures are just like us. We all feel that way at times. But our example is not David. Our example is Jesus. And he prayed a prayer. And it's a beautiful prayer to teach us. And I love that Jesus didn't just tell us to forgive. He showed us how to do it. Here's how we should pray. Luke 23 Verse 34, I'd like for all of us, all of our campuses, read this with me. Let's say this together. Here's a great prayer. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. You see, you, if you're not familiar with church and you're still struggling with Christianity, you may not realize when Jesus said this, you may say, well, that's easy to say. Hey, let me teach you how to pray. Say, Father, forgive them. And then he goes back off to a mountainside somewhere and they go back and sit at the beach. But remember the context of this prayer for Jesus. Let me just take you back 24 hours from when he said this. He was literally betrayed by one of his 12 closest friends. And then the 11 other friends who said, we're always gonna be there for you, they abandoned him. He was taken before all these false witnesses and they said all these things that weren't true. He was accused of things he didn't even do. You see, as you walk through the last 24 hours of Jesus' life, here's what you discover. You see, I don't know what's happened to you. And you're saying, you don't, you don't know, I can't forgive. You don't know how bad it hurt. You're right, I don't. You may say to me, you don't know how unjust it is or how unjust it was that they did that to me. How much abuse I've been through. You're right, I don't. But I do know this. The most unjust thing that has ever happened to anyone on this planet in the history of the world is what happened to Jesus. Because he didn't deserve it. He was the perfect sacrifice. He lived a perfect life. And he died an excruciating death. And those Roman soldiers beat him within an inch of his life. And he drugged that rugged cross outside the gates of Jerusalem. And they nailed him to a tree. And they put a mocking crown of thorns on his head. And as he was suspended between heaven and earth with people yelling at him and screaming at him. And after crowds yelled, crucify him. That's when he said that prayer. And I promise you, he didn't feel like it. But he chose forgiveness. And he said, Father... Forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Will you pray that prayer over those people who have hurt you? Because Jesus said it for us to do it. Luke chapter 6, verse 28. He told us to do it, and he showed us how to do it. He says, bless those who curse you. Pray for those 
who hurt you. So Jesus says, pray for them. And here's the second word, bless them. Bless them. So you want to pray for them and you want to bless them. Jesus says, and you say, okay, well, I was just getting over the fact that I'm going to pray for them. Now you want me to, to actually bless them? Yes. I don't know if I can do that. Think about this. If you just pray, God, bless them, what, what is God going to do? He's going to show them where they're wrong. Because God can't bless someone until they open up their heart to who he is and they get on the right path of where he wants them to go. So you're praying for that to happen. God, bless them. All the way through the scriptures, we get this very challenging, very challenging um, truth. And Luke, uh, sorry, Romans chapter 12 talks about this very same decision. It says this, it says, do not take revenge. That goes, that just one phrase goes against every Hollywood movie we've ever seen. Who's looking forward to Jason Bourne coming back out this summer? Do, do, but he says, no, no, do not take revenge. That, you know, revenge is Hollywood, but it's not holy. It's not how you want to live. It says, do not take revenge. Look at what it says. If your enemy is hungry, let him starve. No, no, my, my bad. Hold on. Sorry. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If your enemy is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Now I've got everybody's attention like, oh, I like burning coals on their head. That sounds great. But how do you do that? Well, the next phrase, it says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You see, if you have somebody in your office that's always giving you a hard time and they're always mean to you and they're that person that's always saying something that discourages you, the next time you're going to make a coffee run, go by their office and say, hey, can I get you a Starbucks? I'm going there right now. Can I get you a coffee? It will blow them away. They will literally think in their mind, what are you doing right now? I am the mean person. You're supposed to be mean back to me. You see, it doesn't make any sense, but I love the great philosopher Phil Robertson from Duck Dynasty. He was not a Christian for 28 years, and he started reading the Bible, and he came across this verse, do not take revenge when your enemy's hungry, feed him. And he just said, that doesn't make any sense to me. But he said, you know, I haven't tried it before. And he, you know, way before Duck Dynasty became a dynasty, he was just a fisherman on the river there in Louisiana. And he had people who would steal from, from his nets, and they would take his fish. He had like 100 nets across the river there. And so from his house, before he was a Christian, he'd look out and see them stealing his fish, and he'd get his shotgun, he'd take his boat, and he'd go out there, and he'd say, you stealing my fish, and shoot the gun in the air, and they'd run for their lives, and don't steal from me, you know, that's how he did it. But he read this verse, and he thought, well, that seems really dumb, but I've never tried it before, so he said he looked out and saw these guys stealing some fish, and so he, he got in his boat, he said, he got his Bible this time, but he said, my faith was weak, so I got my shotgun too. So went out there and went over those, and he calls them river rats. He said, I went over those river rats. I said, hey, you stealing from me, you know, and they dropped the nets and everything. And he said, you know what, go ahead and pull that net up. Just, just go ahead and take all those fish. Because if you ever need fish, listen, I live right over here. You don't have to steal them anymore. I'll just give them to you. You can have all the fish you want from my nets. And he says, over the last 20 years, he has baptized over 100 river rats in that river because of that kind of grace that he's shown them. Yeah, that's amazing, yeah. And he says, you know what, I didn't, it, didn't, it didn't sound like it would work, but, but I wanted to show you this quote, I love this. He says, and only Phil Robertson could say it this way, but he says, no matter how sorry and low down somebody might be, everybody's worth something. But you're never gonna turn them if you're as evil as they are. You see, how you forgive is actually a picture of the forgiveness God gives us. Psalm 103, verse eight says it this way, it says, the Lord is compassionate and merciful. He's slow to angry and he's filled with 
with a love, unfailing love. He does not punish us for all of our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. Are you compassionate? Are you merciful? The question I'd like for you to write down is, what is on the other side of forgiveness for me? What is on the other side of forgiveness? I believe there's so many of us missing out on what God could do because we're not forgiving. What do we need to do? We need to pray. Are you praying for the problem people in your life? And we need to bless. Our, what's on the other side of forgiveness if you do? And I, I can feel the pushback. You're saying, listen, it's not about a, a mean person at the office for me. It's not about somebody stealing my fish. You don't know what they've done to me. You don't know how bad it hurt. You're right, I don't. But I appreciate Linda giving me permission to share this story. She's actually from the Rockwall campus. And she's been through a lot of abuse. And I, I hope it helps you to understand that she knows what it's like to be extremely hurt over and over again. And how to pray and bless. And when you choose that, it actually brings blessing back to you. And you can get more of this story on, on the Facebook page of our church and, and just read and let it sink in. But, but I'll just share a, a brief, uh, just a little clip of that. Linda got married and like all of us had dreams and hopes of, of, of life and, and living happily ever after. But very soon her husband started abusing her physically. So much so that she tried to run away several times and finally did get away from that abuse. But it was so excruciating for her that she got so angry at God. She was angry at God, she was angry at her ex-husband, and she just lived in decades of bitterness and resentment and darkness. Finally, she met a guy named Ken. Ken was a strong Christian and showed her compassion and mercy and tenderness of Christ. And not only did she come back to Christ in her own heart, but eventually knew that she needed to forgive her ex-husband. And so she didn't wanna do that over a letter. She actually actually convinced her husband, Ken, to go with her and they found out that he was in prison. They went to go see her ex-husband in prison and she looked at him across there with his, you know, his, his uh, garb on from being a prisoner and said, listen, I forgive you. And that started a relationship where her and her new husband, Ken, started to correspond with her ex-husband. They started to send him Bible verses and just bless him. Started sending Bible studies and sermons. They started to go visit him more. And for 13 years, they went to visit him, corresponded with him, and blessed him and encouraged him. Not only did he come to Christ, but once he got out of prison, uh, he found a new home. They got him readjusted to life outside of prison, and they, got him, they found him a church. And now he's free, not just from prison, but he's free, and he knows Christ because of her forgiving him. Can we just give God a hand for that kind of power, that kind of choice? The story that you'll find online just gives you more details, but I wanted to share that with you because you said, well, that's great, you know, she chose forgiveness, but I, want, I don't want you to miss this. She really says, and I wanted to quote some things from her because she says that choosing that forgiveness didn't just bless her ex-husband, it blessed her. And choosing to forgive her ex-husband actually freed her and blessed her marriage with Ken. Here's what she says, I quote, she says, I would not be able to love Ken, her new husband, the way God wanted me to love him without forgiving my ex-husband because bitterness and anger had weaved into every part of my life. And without releasing those chains, I never would have been able to love Ken and never would have been able to have a relationship with anyone else, even with God. And Linda admits, forgiving my ex-husband has blessed me and has blessed my marriage with Ken, end quote. What is Linda saying? Linda is saying, let go. She's saying, let go. She said, once you pray for them, once you bless them, you've got to let go. And it hurts. And you're saying, I don't know if I want to let go, but we've got to. Forgiveness is a choice to let go. 
And forgiveness is a decision that you make once and then it's something you do every day of your life. Listen, people have hurt me. And as best I can tell you, didn't want to do this message without with, with having any, any of this in my own heart. I have forgiven everyone that's hurt me. I've made that decision, but then I've let go. But then I forgave them yesterday, and I forgive them today, and I'll forgive them tomorrow. You see, if you held your place in Matthew 6, I just wanted to show you this. It's interesting that Jesus makes this hard saying right after he teaches us what's known as the Lord's Prayer. And in Matthew chapter 6, verse 11, he shows us that forgiveness isn't just a decision, it's a lifestyle. He says, pray this to the Father, give us today our daily bread, and today... Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. You see, we must daily thank God for the food, but daily let go. Make the decision to forgive, but then daily do that decision. I wanna give everyone a 30-day challenge. I wanna ask you to, for 30 days to every day you wake up to say the Lord's Prayer, and when you get to this part, to release the person that you say owes you because they hurt you. And just say, Father, forgive them as, forgive me as I've forgiven them. And just for 30 days, experience the freedom of resentment and bitterness, the freedom from anger and hurt, and just see what it's like for 30 days, the month of July, just pray this prayer and release them every day. It just starts with a decision. It starts with a decision, and it becomes a lifestyle. You see, I can uh, remember uh, back when I was a child learning how to ski. And uh, there in North Georgia and Lake Hartwell, you know, it was great. Uh, they were great teachers. You know, get in the water, put the skis in between your, you know, in the, between the rope and just kind of hold on. And you, know, you got like, you know, the lake right here in Rockwall, so you guys experienced this. But, you know, and they just, you know, with boats going to jerk, you know, you just stay up, keep your knees bent. And so I got all that. And I mean, the very first time I got up, the very first time, I was like, I am awesome, okay? I was eight years old. It was an incredible experience, very exhilarating. I'm behind the boat. I'm like, life is good. And we get out in the lake, I'm looking around, like, wow, this is amazing. Look what I've missed all my life. And then as I'm enjoying this experience, for some reason, the boat driver, who will go anonymous at this point, the boat driver decided it would be really funny to gun the acceleration and to turn the boat really hard to the left while I'm skiing. And so when they did that, of course, you guys know what happened. I got outside of my comfort zone into this wake, outside of that wake, and it was really bumpy. And my, my skis literally went out from under me. And I fell and hit the water, and it hurt. Bad, I'm eight years old, it hurt really bad. You know what happened next? I was so mad, it hurt really bad. I was so mad, I'm like, I'm gonna hold on to the rope. And I held on to that rope. I was so mad at that boat driver. I'm gonna get him back, man. I'm, I'm holding on to this rope, and I'm gonna teach him a lesson, I'm gonna hold on to this rope. Am I teaching the boat driver anything at this point? No, I'm sucking in a lot of water, it's really hurting, okay? But I am not teaching you anything. I was like, I'm, 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 you know, that boat driver's oblivious, okay? Doesn't even know, just like, I'm skipping across the water like a rock. I am so mad. And there's people in the boat literally yelling at me, let go of the rope. We forgot to tell you that part, okay? Let go of the rope. We want you to live, okay? We want you to live. Let go of the rope. And as best I can tell you today is you hear this hard saying about forgiveness from Jesus, what Jesus is saying is, let go of your hurt. Let go. It's not even hurting them. They're probably even oblivious to it. Let go of the hurt. It's hurting you. I want you to live. I want you to find life. Let go of it. And we, we realize that today, we need to let go, and I'm praying that light bulbs start coming on. Even when I just started this message, names were coming to your mind. People who have hurt you and wounded you. For some of you, you're sitting right next to them today. You tolerate them, but they are the ones you need to forgive. 
For most of us, they're not in the room. For some of us, they're not even alive anymore. They've stepped into eternity, but we've got to let go. Say, God, help us. Help us to let go of unforgiveness so we can live, so we can get back to where we need to be with him. And I'm gonna ask you to let go today and give you an experience on every campus where hopefully we can not just hear this word, but experience how powerful it is. And even if you're wrestling with it right now, saying, I don't know if I wanna forgive, I don't know if I wanna let go. If you're an extra note taker, Matthew chapter 18 is a powerful story. And Jesus teaching about forgiveness, it was a theme of his ministry. He told a story about a king who brought all of his servants in to pay their debts and settle accounts. And and Jesus says there was a servant who owed millions of dollars, literally couldn't have paid it back in his lifetime. And the king said, you're going to have to pay by being tortured and your children and, and your wife will be sold. And the guy just begged the king, please have pity and mercy on me. And the king did. The king said, okay, I forgive your debt. Then that guy went out of the king's presence after being forgiven millions of dollars and found someone who owed him a few hundred dollars. And that person said, I can't pay you back right now. And that guy got all over this guy and threw him into prison to be tortured because he didn't pay back his small debt after being forgiven millions of dollars. And in the story, Jesus says that people came back to the king and told him this, and the king brought that guy back in and said, "What? You know, you're an evil servant. I've forgiven all this debt, a huge debt, and you can't forgive a little one? You see, today, the question you want to write down next to let go is, where is my focus? What am I focused on? Because if you want to forgive, you can't focus on that hurt anymore. You can't focus on that wound anymore. You can't focus on that abuse anymore. Because as you focus on that, it just keeps all of that bitterness and resentment and anger tight and close. But if you focus on the cross, if you focus on what Jesus did, I want to make you a promise. As I focus on what Jesus has done for me and how my sins stack up and all he's forgiven, I've never forgiven anybody more than Jesus has forgiven me. I love what's happened at our camps in the last few weeks, but at the Trek camp for junior high, middle school kids, um, it was pretty amazing what happened. They started dragging a cross through camp a couple hours before worship. I I wish I could drag a cross right through your living room about Wednesday of this week. Just a cross going right down your office hallway, right through your workplace, right down your neighborhood, right across your Facebook page. But the cross just started going by, and the middle schoolers started following that cross as they prepared for worship, and that cross went into the room. And then as everybody gathered into that room, and everybody was in their place, all of a sudden, everything went dark, and the cross was lit up. And I just took a picture of it. It looks like something I got off of iStock Photo, but this is your middle school camp, Lake Point. This is, this is sixth, seventh, and eighth graders saying, it's all about Jesus. All of a sudden, they were so focused on the cross, there was nothing else they could see. There was nothing else they could do. It's all about him, Jesus. Yes, he's the one we're focused on. And today, if you focus on Jesus, you can forgive because you've been forgiven. If you focus on Jesus, you can let go because because of that cross, he's let go of all of our debts and all of our regrets and all of our mistakes. And on every campus today, in a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to experience the decision of forgiveness. And there's these white pieces of paper all across the room at every campus And I'm gonna ask you when they're singing the last worship song to go and write a name on this card and then I'm gonna encourage you, uh, your campus pastor will tell you what to do with that but we're gonna offer you an opportunity to really let go today. At the service last night, Saturday night service, a guy came up to me after the service and he was crying. He said, seven years ago my wife walked out on me and I just realized today I've never forgiven her. He just wrote her name there. So I'm letting go today, it's powerful. So why would we forgive? Listen, I hope the names are coming to mind 
a spouse, a coworker, a roommate, a friend, someone who's hurt you in the past, we're going to let go today. Why would we do that? Well, Colossians 3, verse 13 uh, tells us, it's very simple. It says this, it says, bear with each other and forgive one another if, if any of you has a grievance against someone. Would you read this with me, Lake Point, real life? Let's say this together. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Let's bow our head and close our eyes. In this quiet moment, how can we focus on the, the debt that someone else owes us when we focus on the cross right now and realize how much Jesus has forgiven us? And right now, over the internet, here in this room, at every campus today, there's someone, you need to receive the forgiveness of Jesus. You need to receive what he has done for you and the love he offers to you. It's free and it's, you can't earn it. You don't deserve it and neither do I. But would you open up your heart right now and maybe the name you need to write on this card is your own name and forgive yourself as Christ forgives you. But let me just pray for us. Lord, on all the campuses, over the internet, Lord, help us to release these people who've hurt us. People who've done us wrong. Help us to let go of the debt that they owe us because of the debt you've forgiven in us. Help us to declare, Lord, that they don't owe us anything anymore because we've been set free. And right now, I pray that you would set people free from the prison of bitterness and unforgiveness. And as people come to our minds today, whether it's a small offense or some huge hurt, we're going to give them forgiveness today because all we're doing is giving them, God, what you have given us through Christ. So do what only you can do today and help us to experience the power and the freedom of letting go, the power of forgiveness. We pray this in the name of the one who's forgiven us, Jesus Christ. Amen.